0: Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works They turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable, for now and into the future. So let's get
1: started. Hi, this is Bryce from Precision Nutrition, and today I'm reading the article, Six Reasons Eating Healthy is Harder Than You Think, plus Strategies to Make It Easier, by James Heathers, PhD. Lots of people in health and fitness roll their eyes at the idea that eating healthy is hard. The stark reality they're missing? For many folks, constraints with time, money, transportation, and so forth make good nutrition seem out of reach. Listen on for some hard truth about healthy eating. Experiential writing is very popular in journalism, including in the health and fitness field. Morgan Spurlock's Super Size Me documentary immediately comes to mind. And here's a spoiler alert. He gained weight and ruined his health by eating an ungodly amount of food exclusively for McDonald's. Somewhat ironically, so does John Cisna's book My McDonald's Diet. Another spoiler, he lost weight and improved his health eating a sensible amount of food exclusively from McDonald's. I decided to contribute to the genre by doing something called the Food Stamp Challenge. Wait, what? Yep, the Food Stamp Challenge. It's a popular self-experiment where you try to eat well on the budget allotted by the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. Now, lots of people have used the Food Stamp Challenge as a vehicle to either prove or refute the notion that eating healthy on a budget is hard. Others have used it to raise awareness for food insecurity specifically, or poverty in general. As for me, I was more interested in the mechanics. I wondered, well, what exactly does it take to eat nutritious food consistently when you're faced with constrained resources? Let's find out. The ground rules for my experiment were the following. Start with a U.S. food stamp amount of money. Now, how much is that? Well, estimates range from between $29 per family for the whole week to $4.80 per person per day, to $2.38 per person per meal. With that wide range in mind, I settled somewhere in the middle, $4 per person per day. Since there are two people in my household, my food stamp budget was $40 a week. Now, I also hold myself to minimal shopping trips. Who's got time to shop around at dozens of stores looking for the best deal on every single item? Wanting to be realistic and true to the spirit of the challenge, I confine myself to one market and as few trips as possible. Another ground rule, buy the cheapest form of everything. With a limited budget of only $40 a week, it became crucial to find the best individual deals within reason. No organic silliness or buy the first one because I'm bored allowed. Next ground rule, don't buy food I'm not going to eat or preserve. I am highly uncomfortable with food wastage on moral grounds, but in this case, we can add thrift to my motivation, so I made sure to shop with waste in mind. Alright, so, you should know, I'm a competitive man, so I want to get this right. That's why I was actually a little nervous looking down at Andrew Jackson's angry face on the $20 bill. I was thinking, was I going to win the challenge, or would I end up looking as silly as Gwyneth Paltrow did when she tried the same experiment? Only time would tell. For now, it was on to the Haymarket in Boston. The Haymarket is an outdoor market that sells excess foods left over from commercial purchases. It's also easily the cheapest place in the city to buy fresh fruit and vegetables, which are a large part of my diet. It's cramped and large and noisy and it smells a bit. There's no one selling essential oil or dream catchers. Everyone sells food out of styrofoam buckets or out of a cardboard box. And everyone is in a hurry and they take cash only. In a nutshell, it's the perfect place for this challenge. Now let me introduce you to my $40 worth of food. I brought home four green peppers, two yellow peppers, two pounds of green beans, a bunch of spinach, four eggplants, two bunches of coriander, two bunches of asparagus, one pound of portobello mushrooms, two pounds of ginger, 10 limes, a cabbage, four ears of corn, one pound of fresh baby tomatoes, four pounds of okra, seven plums, seven nectarines, four peaches, five pears, two pounds of strawberries, one pound of blueberries, four cucumbers, four pounds of broccoli, and four plantains. Now if you're thinking, where's all the normal food? Well, you'd be right. I screwed up. I hadn't planned properly, so I didn't buy anything that was really cheap, like potatoes, onions, tomatoes, carrots, or something like that. I also didn't get flour, or pasta, or eggs, or meat, or milk. Oops. Nonetheless, we ate all this food, which took a lot more than a week actually, and then I went and did the food stamp challenge again, but properly this time. I spent every cent in the budget, ate more than a few potatoes, and even consumed animal protein this time, eggs and inexpensive cuts of pork. So, the moment of truth. What happened? Well, after my initial screw-up, I won. My partner and I ate well, And the food stamp challenge ended up being a little more than the food stamp minor inconvenience. But rather than get self-righteous about how easy it is to eat well on a budget, it's important to own that, number one, I only won because I have several hidden advantages that many others don't. And number two, I'm pretty sure I got disqualified. So with that in mind, here are the six reasons why healthy eating is hard. Reason number one, you need a good market. When I say market, I mean a place where you can buy affordable, fresh, whole food. Of course, if you're on a budget, this market would offer non-organic, non-special, non-biodynamic fresh food, like Haymarket, where I shopped. Plenty of countries celebrate this market concept as there's a reversed word for it all over the world. For example, in Germany, it's Wolkenmarkt. In Poland, it's Rynek. In Thailand, Talat. Of course, in the absence of that sort of market, you'd have to shop at a supermarket, which sells traditional grocery store and market products plus household products, or a quote-unquote hypermarket, which is a supermarket plus a department store. In both cases, you'd pay more for the convenience of having everything you could need in one location. Now, since I live in Boston, I have access to every type of market. But what if you had access to none of those? Yeah, that happens. In fact, health research has recently been focusing a lot on what happens in communities where there aren't just reduced options for buying fresh food, but there are none. These locations are referred to as food deserts, neighborhoods or local areas that combine economic disadvantage with a lack of access to regularly priced fresh food. And the research on them is pretty clear. Overweight and obesity is associated with lack of fresh food access. So let's get real. For many communities the idea that eating healthy isn't that hard is total rubbish research suggests it's hard indeed but that's just one reason why eating healthy is hard because even if you have access to a nice market reason number two you need time to shop when i did the food stamp challenge i went shopping in the middle of the day on a friday my academic work is usually flexible and obviously so is writing So I just stood up one day and said, you know what, I fancy writing something about a big bag of fruit and vegetables. That's probably not typical of other people's work. Some folks work 50 hours a week and then rush home to relieve the sitter. Others commute two hours every day. Others are constantly having to decide between grocery shopping and getting some exercise or helping their children with homework. Others have two jobs, maybe a day job and a night job. So where's your shopping time now? There are a million other examples, and naturally, there's also research. This phenomenon even has its own name, time poverty. In fact, in consumer surveys, time is as big a barrier as cost when it comes to eating a healthy diet. Okay, let's move on to reason number three. You need to transport all the food. Let's say we have a market to go to and the time to go there. Big assumptions for most of the world's population, but let's be generous and offer them up freely. So what's next? Well, we have to get to the market and haul all that fresh food home. Which means you need a car or reliable public transport. And that costs money. And you need to be able to carry the groceries. That takes strength and energy. So let me explain. You know that obsession people have with carrying all the shopping inside from the car on one hit? It's cute and everything. But imagine you're a tired working mother. Or you have a bad back. Or you're shopping with three small kids to look after. Or you're five foot two. Now, since the odds are very good that I'm bigger than you, I'm six foot three and 255 pounds, and I can get all hairy-chested about how I can carry more shopping bags than you, and I can probably carry more shopping bags than you, that isn't the point. The point is that fresh food is heavy. On my second go with the food stamp challenge, I bought 10 pounds of potatoes and 5 pounds of onions. I bought tomatoes. I bought plantains. I bought a melon. My enormous shopping bag filled up quickly. The handle started to cut into my fingers. Eventually, there was too much food to even maneuver around other people in the market. I half-carried, half-dragged it to a nearby alleyway, and I called an Uber. Fifteen minutes later, we were home, and I carried it all upstairs, four floors, and promptly fell into a crumpled heap. And yes, I'm pretty sure paying someone to drive you home disqualifies you from the food stamp challenge. So, yeah, what if you don't have a car because you can't afford one? Or because you live in the city and can't afford to park one? What if you struggled to get up the steps of the bus, let alone carry groceries up them? What if you're 80 years old? Sometimes shopping for and transporting fresh food will feel like more than you're capable of, and it may well be. So maybe the convenience store will do. Sure, they have only cinnamon rolls and frozen dinners, but the dinners have frozen vegetables and that's healthy, right? Or should you just order fast food or takeout just this once? You'll cook tomorrow, you promise. Which brings us to the next challenge, Reason number four, you need time to cook. After gleefully buying half the market and then suffering the indignity of not being able to get myself home, I began the more strenuous, boring, and involved task of turning those foodstuffs into food. If everything is fresh, then most of it needs to be cooked or preserved quickly. The tomatoes were wonderful and super ripe, so they needed to be oven-roasted and stored. The okra didn't like the bag it was in. We had to cook it the first night. And we sure ate a lot of fruit in the first few days. Ripe fruit, after all, doesn't keep. I pickled jalapeno chilies in vinegar and dressed and froze layers of berries. Ginger, by the way, stores remarkably well peeled, sliced, placed in vodka, and refrigerated. And it turns out plantains keep forever. In short, more time and labor. Not much respite for the modern 50 hours per week worker. Another black mark to the time poverty column. All right, let's move on to reason number five. You need equipment, seasonings, and ancillary ingredients. The following is an example of how I use my super cheap vegetables. First up, my simple, fast vegetable curry. Now this included sharpened knives. In other words, my Messermeister ceramic rod that I got for $35 and a clear workspace. I had to finely dice an onion with my carbon steel knife bought from an obscure tool store for about $20 on a regular cutting board that I spent $8 on. Then I had to peel and grate two inches of ginger. Of course, I needed my microplane, which cost $25. I had to finely chop five cloves of garlic. I had to heat cooking oil in a pan, a cast iron one I bought in Sydney about 10 years ago for about $200. I had to cook half a teaspoon of white sugar until it caramelized and then cook the onion until it was soft. Of course, I had to use my bamboo spoon to stir that for $2. I had to add a teaspoon of grated turmeric lots of Kashmiri chili, some very ripe tomatoes, and a little water. Next, I had to combine it all, turn the heat down to medium-low, and add about 4 cups of some non-leafy vegetables I wanted curried. Of course, for that, I had to use a vegetable peeler, which I bought for $4. Now, to finish, I adjusted the salt, then added a tablespoon of cream, and lots of garam masala. So, in total, that's 6 pieces of equipment, at more than $275 dollars, I already had on hand. None are particularly groundbreaking, but if you wish for the cooking process to proceed quickly, straightforwardly, and without frustration or stress, they're almost all mandatory. It's also seven extra ingredients that allowed me to successfully use my cheap foodstuffs. That is, to make them taste really good so I wouldn't be tempted toward a more palatable, but also more expensive or unhealthy option. Of course, you could cut a few corners here and there, but certain things are inalienable. It's hard to cut vegetables on a ceramic plate with a bread knife, it's hard to eat a curry without salt, and it's hard to cook some types of rice without a rice cooker. And before you think, dear me, that's not a normal uncomplicated recipe at all, let me assure you that this is a perfectly normal, easy, and modified to make it even easier recipe that any Indian auntie would dismiss, not at all ironically, as not trying hard enough. Which brings us to reason number six. You need cooking skills. Here's a fun game you can play. And by fun, I mean really quite depressing. Find a millennial and take away their smartphone. Don't worry, it's only temporary. Now that they can't Google the answer, ask them, what is home economics? Often, they don't know. In case you don't know the meaning of home economics, it's a subject they used to teach at school where you learn to manage a household. And while that means you learn to parcel up your garbage and wipe down a countertop, it's, of course, mostly about learning to cook. Yes, that was a real thing, but it's not anymore. We are now at least two generations removed from people who grew up in a house where people cooked regularly and where people were taught to cook at school. These skills are passed on and socially reinforced. In other words, if you're just ordinary at cooking, chances are your kids will be even worse. Recently, there's been some good evidence to show that teaching people to cook can improve all of the following. Attitude toward food and cooking, confidence, fruit and vegetable intake, food purchasing habits, and social interaction at home. In the end, it takes some experience and skill to chop up a bunch of foodstuffs and put them together without it tasting awful, especially if you're trying to eat on a budget. Without that skill, the idea that eating healthy is easy feels extra absurd. So, in summary, let's talk about my failure and the lessons I learned. I took the food stamp challenge and, technically, I won, at least if winning is spending the right amount of money and eating well. But as far as this being realistic is concerned, I failed badly. It's thanks to certain non-food advantages I already have that allowed me to be successful. In many respects, it's these factors that determine how well one will eat. You see, everyone knows fruit and vegetables are good for you. Everyone knows it's easy to eat too much starch and sugar in one sitting everyone intuitively understands the idea of portion control. Yet, in modern life, many stars have aligned for this to translate into eating healthy, which means despite what rah-rah personal trainers and other fitness fanatics often say, it's not always easy to eat well. And maybe it's okay if we just started admitting it. So what to do next? Well, here are some tips from us at Precision Nutrition. Whether you're trying to figure out how to eat in the context of your busy, hectic, time-strapped life, or your fitness pro whose clients may be struggling with these challenges, it's okay to stop pretending eating well is always a breeze. When constrained resources make eating healthy a challenge, consider these strategies. First, embrace the struggle. Unless you're affluent and or your career involves you getting paid to be in shape, modern life will sometimes make it challenging to eat well. The first step is is to accept this in a sober, realistic way. Then you can focus on finding strategies to work around the challenges. Next, build a kitchen toolkit. With a proper kitchen setup, you'll be able to cook most things, even if you don't consider yourself a chef. To find the best price, shop around on Google and eBay. Here are the basics. A casserole dish, Pyrex is best. A small assortment of steel bowls, scuffed and beat up is fine. A stainless steel chef's knife, you can get a reasonable second-hand one for probably about $5 to $10. A knife sharpener, a ceramic rod or stone. A cast-iron skillet, you can get a decent lodge skillet for about $20, though it must be seasoned. A small assortment of wooden or bamboo tools, a fine microplane, a wooden cutting board, and a vegetable peeler. Next strategy, schedule your shopping and meal prep. Build grocery shopping and in-advance meal prep into your weekly calendar so you're not always scrambling and opting for less nutritious convenience meals. And this also helps you use fresh food before it goes bad, saving you money in the process. Next strategy, simplify cooking. Meals don't need to be elaborate to taste delicious, and while cooking skills don't develop overnight, putting tasty food on a plate is by no means rocket science. In fact, we have a guide for creating basic, well-balanced meals with flavor profiles you're probably familiar with. You can find it online at precisionnutrition.com forward slash create dash the dash perfect dash meal dash infographic. Check it out. All right, next strategy, prioritize stress reduction. Eating well consistently requires resources, money, time, energy, and skill development. These requirements can be challenging when you already have a lot to worry about. Reducing your total stress load may make more room in your life for the effort of high quality nutrition and allow your body to make better use of those great nutrients. So go for a walk, relax in the park, spend quality time with family and friends, do some yoga, goof around with your kids, read a book, or get your partner to give you a massage. All right, our last strategy, be sensitive. If you're struggling to eat the way you'd like, cut yourself some slack. It's okay to ask for help. If you're a fitness or health pro who's been known to say, eating healthy is easy, or people just aren't trying hard enough, Stop and re-examine. Healthy eating requires more effort and organization than most people think. Do some outreach, volunteer, learn about the people in your community who are struggling and could use your support. All right, everyone, this has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition, reading today's article, Six Reasons Eating Healthy is Harder Than You Think, Plus Strategies to Make It Easier, by James Heathers, PhD. You can read the article online yourself at precisionnutrition.com, Forward slash eating dash healthy dash is dash hard. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.
0: Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.